Our scripture reading this evening is from 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 15, found on page 1790 in your pew Bible. Starting at verse 35. The resurrection body. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We'll be coming back to those words from uh, 1 Corinthians, but at this time, just as a text, the initial uh, reference to uh, dust and ashes. When God is uh, speaking to Abraham, and we looked at that in terms of uh, Abraham's prayer, and uh, he is pleading for the sake of the people, for the sake of 50 and 40 and 30 And then he says, he is so bold to speak, Genesis 18, verse 27. Abraham spoke again, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, 
I am nothing. So yeah, he's standing there. He's, he's alive, speaking to, to God, but he said, it's all I am, dust and ashes. So that's what we're looking at this evening. We're looking at burial or cremation, dust and ashes. This week, we had uh, a funeral. Uh, Sherry uh, got a hold of me, and uh, one of the friendship members had died. Uh, John Garretts, 68 years old. And so Sherry just uh, mentioned, too, I'd seen John at Friendship, and if you helped there, maybe you've seen him. Not a single relative, no one, there was no one to help, to plan, to be there for his funeral. And so then in those cases, the government of Alberta steps in. And everyone in this province, I think in the country too, is worthy of a dignified end. And so the government stepped in, and it took just a little longer, but then the government approves through the funeral home to do a basic funeral. So John was there nicely, just a, a very ordinary plain casket. There were some flowers. Who sent the flowers? Okay. But there were some flowers. It was very nice. And that transported to the cemetery. Everything was there. We buried John. There were about 50 people, friends, with gathering around. There was, I checked on the website, it could have been a cremation service. The government gives a choice. So we could have had a cremation of John we had a burial. I think someone decided that. Probably Darlene, hey? Yeah. Anyway, it was good. It was good. It was honoring of God and of John to have that service. And we buried John with honor and thanks for his life. Unless the Lord Jesus comes again soon we will all encounter the reality of our final funeral arrangements. That is a reality that goes along with the reality that we are human fallen people who will die. So at a certain point, everyone has to answer the question, burial or cremation. So it came to me through a, a sermon request, was good. What about, what do we think about? How do we make that decision? So it's good to reflect on it because we want to honor the Lord in all we do in life and in death. So what do we believe? Well, in order to reflect on that, you need to know, first of all, just some of the details of what you are deciding between. In cremation, ashes, the body is burned with intense heat. Everything is completely burned up. And you end up with about three kilograms of ashes. That's, that's the remains of the human body. And a crematorium will uh, do that with care, and they will uh, collect the ashes very carefully, and they will place them in an urn 
and they will give them to you. If you are like me, I have some hardware in my body, and people wonder about this. I have a titanium bar in my leg where it broke. So if I were to be cremated, the bar would remain, and you could keep it or not. These things just come up, right? <laughs> but those are questions. The ashes themselves are carefully collected. And uh, here, you can put them in an urn. Do we have? Here. You can put them in just a lovely uh, a wooden kind of urn too. And with a picture of the Lord Jesus and a cross, it can be beautifully religious, beautifully of faith. And there's beautiful urns, beautiful uh, ways of keeping those ashes. Some people keep them on the mantle at home. Some people place them in a memorial wall at a cemetery. This is a sample of a general memorial wall. If you go by the Lacombe Cemetery, you'll see they have set up a small memorial wall and you could place the remains there. Very honoring, very respectful, and you could come there to remember. Or you could have the uh, remains uh, buried in a family plot. My dad is one of four brothers. Uncle Alex died here in Alberta. He came to Alberta with his daughter, with to be near his daughter, he died, and he wanted to be buried back in Ontario. So we cremated him. And we received the box. I was in charge because I'm here in Alberta. And then the box went back with his daughter to Ontario. And they buried his remains in the Van Dyke burial plot in Orillia, Ontario. And so my Opa and Omar are there. So his mom and dad. And you can bury... Four cremated remains in one burial plot. So Uncle Alex is there above where Opa and Oma are. So he was just wonderfully placed there. But to move his body there would have been very expensive. And he was fine with the fact that this is what needed to be done. And so we did that. So those are some of the things in relation to cremation, how things can work in that case. Burial, the aspect of dust, we are more familiar with. Here is just a, a standard, here's a picture too, how uh, John Garrett's funeral was this week, a casket placed above the vault and lowered in. In the case of burial, uh, the body is washed and disinfected. Beautiful. Cared for very carefully. If there is going to be a visitation, which often there is, the body is embalmed. So the blood is taken out. The funeral person does that. And then an embalming fluid is put in. And in that sense, then the body... Is, is able to remain for a number of days for visiting, for funeral preparations, for all of these kind of things. And then on the day, the body is dressed nicely and presented, and people can come and pay their respects. And that process 
is done just very respectfully and lovingly by the funeral home. After the service, the body is taken to the cemetery and lowered into a concrete vault with a lid. We have that in our community. That's the law. You have to place the body in a vault. So there's this big concrete vault. And so the, the casket is lowered into the vault and the lid is placed on. And that's where the body remains. And the remains then decompose over a period of even 50 to 100 years is the thought. Because everything is, is kept dry, and so it's just a slow returning to dust. So those are the, the two options. As Christians, though, which one is better? Well, through history, there has been, uh, it's been back and forth a little bit in the sense of, of just the history of, of cremation and burial. I was surprised to find that early on, even 3000 BC in Europe, it was very common for cremation. Some of the Greek and Roman cultures, they would burn the bodies, and that was common, that was done, more so than burial. In Israel, it was sepulchers, tombs, or vaults. There was no cremation with the Old Testament people of God. There wasn't really. It was sepulchers and tombs and vaults used for burial. Uh, the body was laid in the tomb. It was wrapped, as, as the story of Jesus tells us. And then after about a year, a year or two, it, it's basically an open kind of tomb and after about a year only bones would be left and they would go in and collect the bones and put them in a bone box an ossuary and so this is it's just a, a, a small box and, and the bones would be placed in there and that would be kept and that would be placed somewhere too just, just in a separate spot and many of those exist in Israel, these ossuaries, these bone boxes. When Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire, around between 300-400 AD, only burial was permitted. So as the Christian influence went through Europe, only burial. And that went on for 1,500 years. Around 1870, in Europe, there were more and more people, and people dying and being buried, and there wasn't as much room again. There was, and so people were becoming ill with diseases from the bodies that had died and been buried. And then the bodies that had been buried were not buried in vaults and things, and so the bodies, as they decomposed, it, it caused illness in the drinking water. And so then a gentleman in Europe, he um, made the, uh, a crematorium. He uh, built a crematorium because there, there was just a need for some way of, of taking care of, of a 
a disease problem in that sense. That was about 1870. The Catholic Church still banned cremations. 1886, the Roman Catholic Church officially banned cremations. But in 1963, and up until today, it allows them again. So that's the Roman Catholic Church. The Eastern Orthodox Church allows cremations as of 1961. That's Turkey and and all the Eastern Orthodox. The Muslims, Islam, forbids cremation. And I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking that's, that's maybe why they burned that Jordanian pilot, the ISIS people, and, and the sense of added insult to his death that they actually burned him. Because Islam, you are not allowed to cremate any uh, human remains. So it's, it's gone from no cremation to allowing cremation. A lot of the, the thought in general in Europe has developed that way. Now, we come from the, uh, the after the Reformation. And after the Reformation, our tradition is burial. By and far, Burial is the main thing. But there's something, uh, especially in terms of our tradition, that, that helps bring us to a conclusion here. The Reformation stepped back from the practice of Roman Catholic burial. And Roman Catholic Church burial, along with other things in the Roman Catholic tradition before the Reformation became very elaborate and, and very complex, and, and there were all kinds of rituals and all kinds of unusual things in relation to burial as well. So when the reformers, John Calvin and others, stepped back from the Catholic way of doing things, they also stepped back from the funerals. And they said, in fact, there will be no sermon. There will be no church service. There will be no songs or Bible readings or prayers. There will be nothing. If someone dies, you take them to your home. You can do a little visiting maybe. And then you take them and you bury them. And no one says or does anything. Did you know that? That's how. That's how it started, with the Reformed understanding, as a reaction to, to how elaborate and how I, I hadn't fully realized that either. That, wow, that's, that's cold. <laughs> that's, what is this? But it even, it even extended to... Uh, that went on in England, Scotland, Ireland, France, Germany, and the Netherlands, all of the Reformed communities for about 100 years. No church service, no graveside service. And then it, it started to build up a little bit uh, around 1600. And then the Synod of Dort, where we have the Canons of Dort and the Synod of Dort, 1618, the Synod added a special admonition, no funeral sermons. There was such a 
Yeah. So the simple transfer of the body from the home to the graveside and bury it. Someone dies, they're ill in the home, they die. You take them to the graveyard, you bury them. Done. Nothing else. Now later on through the years, the practice of a service with a sermon and prayers was developed along with the view that Funerals are a time, it has to be a time of, of spiritual coming together and encouragement. I mean, yeah, that did, but there was such a strong reaction. But the other side of it is, here, Church Order Article 70, we still have this in our church order, and it grows out of this. Funerals are not an ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical, a church, a church thing. Funerals are not an ecclesiastical but a family affair and should be conducted accordingly. That is even in the 2010 version of our church order. So, so we see a funeral as not, first of all, a church service. It's a family decision. That's the official stand of the Christian Reformed Church. And that allows then for a difference of opinion how a funeral is actually conducted and it would allow for the option of would you want to be buried or cremated. It's not that the church dictates, oh, you have to, have to, have to do this. So, that's one working out of what is possible, how we consider this aspect of, of death and dying of funeral arrangements. It's ultimately up to the person or the family. Well, what's, what is more biblical? What can we learn from the Bible? Now, both are mentioned in Genesis 18. Dust and ashes, Abraham uses those words. We always say those words at a funeral. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's the committal. Every funeral I've done, whether cremation or burial, we always say that. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. In the Bible, the, the ashes part is mentioned less often, and it carries more the sense of judgment. And so I have a few quotes here from Leviticus 20 and 21. And so if a man marries both a woman and her mother, all three must be burned in the fire. And here, if the priest's daughter becomes a prostitute, she must be burned in the fire. And that, that comes back, not, it's not overly everywhere, but it is, it is the sense of those who are under the punishment of God, the judgment of God. In number 16, when Korah and uh, the Israelite men with him uh, oppose Moses, then they are judged with fire. In uh, Joshua 7, when uh, Achan steals from Jericho, he has to be burned. And it goes, different things come up. And then Revelation 20, verse 15 the overall fires of hell are kind of in view in that whole sense. So that makes us hesitate to take hold of this 
this option. Nowhere in the Bible does it specifically command that a deceased human body not be burned. But yeah, there's lots that the Bible doesn't specifically say. One positive example, when Saul and Jonathan were killed and hung up on the wall, then when their body was taken down by the men of Jabesh, their bodies were burned because their bodies had been disfigured. And then they're buried, the ashes are buried. So that was the death of King Saul and his son Jonathan. On the other side, uh, dust is mentioned often in the Bible, burial. And we have all kinds of examples of people being buried. We have Abraham at the beginning here, Genesis 25. Abraham breathed his last. He died at a good old age. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre. If you go to the Holy Land, if you go to Hebron, you can go to the cave of Machpelah. They built a temple over it, a Muslim mosque, and you can look down through the floor, and there's the burial site of Abraham. So that reality worked through Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph in Genesis 50, when he dies, he says to his sons, bury me in Egypt. So at the end of Genesis, he says, bury me, and in Joshua 24, Verse 32, they bury him. And that's well over 400 years later. But he insisted on being buried in the promised land. And they buried him there in the cave of Machpelah. I told you about Moses, God burying him. Uh, in the New Testament, John the Baptist is buried. The disciples come and bury him. Stephen, after he is stoned in Acts 8, is buried and of course, Jesus died and was buried. We say that in the Apostles' Creed most every week. Then there's also the sense of sleep. In our text, it mentions uh, Jesus talks often about death being sleep. And so in John 11, 11 as well, after he had said this, he went on to tell them our friend Lazarus, Fallen asleep, and I'm going to wake him up. Well, he's dead, and he's been in the grave for three days. No, he's sleeping, and I will wake him up. So there's that, that picture, too. When we die, we, we are asleep, and God will wake us up. And so that sense of burying the body is like going to sleep, and when you awake, you will be with the Lord. So burial has the stronger support in the Christian context, and it has had a historical preference through history. But today, in Canada, you know what the percentage is between burial and cremation? 65% are in Canada, 65%. In Europe, over 90? Over 90. If you want to be buried in Greece, it'll cost you 150,000 US dollars. 
to buy the plot. And when you buy it, you can have it for 10 years. And then they'll dig you up and sell it again. There's just no room. There's just no place. In China, there's no room. It's definitely becoming very, very much the norm. So, so why would people, good Christian people, choose cremation? Sometimes they can choose it because what they do, they, they work it out that they have a service with a casket and, and the body there, and afterwards the remains are cremated. So you kind of do a little of both. You honor the body. You have the body present for visitation. You have the body there even, even in a service. And then afterwards, it's not buried. It's cremated. And it's just the casket is just rented. And you don't buy a burial plot. So you try to honor the body. But you have cremation. So that's a nice thought. Some have cremation for financial reasons, of course. Uh, burial is very expensive. Cremation is about one quarter the cost. So that's significant. Burials are 10,000, 15,000, depends. So that's one context. Uh, circumstances, like I mentioned to you, Uncle Alex, to move remains. Yeah, that, that is really not... Uh, workable, so to have the remains cremated. Then there is now more the sense of flexibility where, where someone might pass away uh, suddenly, and in order to get everything together, and people to come from Holland, and people to, that, that the remains would be cremated, and then the funeral is two weeks from now, or three weeks from now, and then everyone can come. And then we have a very honoring time. So those kind of things happen. And then the sense of that there's, there's no room in Europe, in Greece, in England, in Holland. It's, it's pretty much the only option. And then it's true that for some, the idea of the body decaying in the ground is offensive. They would just as soon be quickly and cleanly, yeah, burned. Uh, yeah, the body is just quickly turned to ash, and that's it then. Instead of slowly decaying over 50, 60, 100 years, that's, that's offensive to some. So it, it strikes people in different ways. The Christian view is focuses on burial overall, but we read from 1 Corinthians 15. And 1 Corinthians 15 gives us the proper focus. He's been talking about uh, living and dying. He's been talking about uh, what kind of, of body, and, and we're talking about what you do with the body, and and do you bury it or do you burn it? But I wanted to have it clearly before you this evening that this talk about burial and cremation, what we want to really think about 
is the new body, is our, our glorified body. Because we don't, be, we don't remain dust or ashes, and both dust and ashes, either one, will be resurrected. And so the, the picture in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, points out that reality, that, that hope we can bring no matter what. And so it says here, um, when, you, uh, when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be. See? So when you, when you bury or, or cremate the body, that's not the body that will be. That's not going to be the, the future glorious body. It's just a seed. It's just a small thing. And so, so that we want, to, we want to honor God and we want to honor our faith in what we do. But don't, don't get totally caught up in, well, well, this is everything now. No. It says very clearly in verse 43, the body is sown in dishonor. So what will, will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown dishonor in dishonor. It's a dishonor to bury a body. It's a dishonor to, to burn a body. Whatever you do, it's, it's still, it's, it's not what God intended. We were never to die at all. So whatever you do, you're still in a sense dishonoring the body because the body was meant to live, and only by God's grace it will be restored. So that truth is what we need to hold on to, though it's buried or burned in dishonor. Neither one is particularly pleasant, and so it's sown in dishonor. It's weak, it has died, and we look forward to the new body, the imperishable the glorious body that God is going to give us. And so that reality of, of who we are is we are those who, by faith, can be assured that we will be given that new body, that glorious body. And that's, that's what he talks about here just beautifully when he talks about in verse 52 and 53 how uh, we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet sound, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, not just those who are buried, not to cremate it, or not just to cremate it, those who are buried, no, no distinction. All who have died will be raised. And the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Then to receive that glorified body, then all of that impact of death, death that has caused so much destruction and pain will be gone. And we will be raised in the assurance of faith in Jesus Christ. So that is the hope that we have. That's the hope that we hold on to, no matter what we do. In my years of ministry, I have done many funerals, I have done mainly burials. And I thought back, I checked back. I don't keep an actual record of absolutely every 
but I could come up with maybe four cremations that I've done in 22 years. So it's not much. So that is the, the overall uh, burial is the overall way that we seek to honor God at that time. But if someone would choose to be cremated, I would be willing to do the funeral. It's not right or wrong. It's your decision. Just humbly before the Lord, and you need to make that decision clear to those who will be working with you, with your family at that time. And in our situation, in our context, we have uh, the option, both options, quite clearly before us. So that is the reality that we continue to work out. The context of, of seeking to honor God and doing that just carefully and well, looking even to that assurance of the new body that he has prepared for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come. We come in the assurance of faith again this evening. We come recognizing you are the Lord of life and that you are also the one who we want to honor in death. And Lord, we do that by seeking to be faithful to you and also by seeking to just be led by your spirit in how we want to do that. We thank you that in either case of cremation or burial, we can bring a word of hope. We can bring a word of truth. We can bring to the assurance of faith that we have for the person who has died, that you promise the victory over death and that you promise to provide to raise up and to restore us with a new and glorious body and that that is our hope whenever we stand by the grave lord that you give us that assurance lord we thank you for that and we trust in your leading through all our days through death and on into eternity lord we recognize that you are the one who has opened a way beyond the grave so that we will be with you forever we thank you for your death and resurrection that gives us that hope and that assurance and we continue to put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.